Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Today, we have one of my buddies from Ultimate Fighter Season 1, Stefan Bonner. Friend of mine, my roommate for eight weeks when we were filming the show. Um, he went on to do amazing things in the UFC, win some big fights. Um, he's continuing to do cool stuff, and I haven't caught up with him in a very long time. So it's going to be great to catch up with the American Psycho. Stefan Bonner, welcome to the show, buddy. Mike Swiggity Swick, good old Stone Colon. Stone, <laughs> you start with that. That wasn't me, bro. That was that was Nate Quarry, bro. Season one Ultimate Fighter. Uh, old two flush. More like more like twenty flush. Nate he'd be playing cards and he'd have to take a deuce and he'd be gone for an hour, like just wrecking it. I just got away from you guys, and then it was it, and then like. Uh, I'm sticking with Nate Quarry stopping up the commodes, man. He was always the one doing that. You had an interesting bathroom experience we'll get into later on, though, for sure, on the last day of the show. But, hey, so how's everything going, man? I haven't talked to you in ages. Just did, I just did Nate's uh, podcast a couple weeks ago. Oh, did you? All right, you got you to gotta hold the phone steady, dude. You, there we go. There we go. Look at that, dude. Now I can recognize you. All right, Stefan. Oh, it is you. Okay. I'm holding it. Oh, you got to hold it like that? You can't just prop it on something? Well, anyway, what are you up to, man? Tell me what you're, what's going on while we're propping the camera. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't wear a shirt hey. for this podcast. That, that adds a whole nother yeah, level. Yeah, why didn't I just use this? No, it's good the way it is, man. And, and you know wearing a shirt, that's, that's an added bonus. I didn't expect that. This, is, this podcast is turning out great. Yes. I don't wear sh- shirts in Vegas in the summer. Yeah? Same as in Thailand, man. We don't like, wear shirts a lot here. Yeah, right. But I'll say I'm wearing a shirt right now, and I think you recognize it. It's the Ultimate Fighter Season 1 Team Couture Best Team, Best Season T-shirt signed by every single person on the show. It's like total memorabilia from Season 1, and I'm like wearing it for the podcast because you're, you're the guest. I don't even know why yes. I have it here in Thailand. I just, I just I found it. Signature popping out at me right there where's your signature at in your shoulder left shoulder this one (laughs) yeah yeah it's me uh and uh yeah i mean i see you have yours behind you there the team couture how how did you get two how'd you get two jerseys though you got you got liddell's jersey too is that because you were like a superstar on the (laughs) final fight yeah hoger gave it to me he had like 30 of them (laughs) he took them all huh god that was savage (laughs) Dude, yeah, I finally got him to give me one. That was awesome. So, so what do you what do you got going on right now? And then we'll get into Ultimate Fighter season one, obviously. So, what what's going on? So, I know you're doing you're doing some wrestling stuff, and then and then you're doing some of the water company, right? Yes, this stuff's good. Like ionized water. Yep. The real water is, uh, but you know, like a Kangen machine ionizes your water. Yeah, it's just remarkable for your immune system. Um, all, all sorts of things. Good for like your organs. Uh, you know. Like, there's been studies with pretty much every organ that shows it benefits it in some way. Like, um, patients with uh, cirrhotic livers, it helped them. Patients uh, with high blood pressure, it helped normalize blood pressure. <laughs> Diabetic patients help with that. And then just from your immune system, preventing illnesses. Man. I don't, like, I don't even take any vitamins or anything. Yeah, a lot of my friends uh, drink that. Some, 
some some of my friends have these big machines that do it all. And it's like such a pain in the ass. They're expensive. So I would more be inclined to getting just the bottles and <laughs> drinking them than having the machine at my house yeah, that like does all that stuff. So this thing you just could pour in regular filtered water and it ionizes it. Oh wow! And that's the real water's kind of claim to fame. Is the um, it, it was thought that to stabilize those negative ions to bottle it up and stick it on the shelf for months on end, um, I thought it couldn't be done. Uh, the stabilization of it it loses its potency within a day or two but the inventor of real water found out a way to stabilize those negative ions and that's kind of the secret sauce of real water nice now you you can prove that too with the oxidation reduction potential meter it shows you how potent of an antioxidant yeah. something is and the the more negative it is the more potent of an antioxidant yeah like um, that's the most powerful thing is you know, it's cheap and easy to spike up the pH of a water and make it alkaline. It does nothing for your health, but those negative ions uh, is, would give you the health benefits. And all ionized water is going to be alkaline. Alkaline waters aren't ionized at all, and they do not. It's like you might as well put baking soda in your water. It does the same thing. And a lot of people don't realize that an alkaline state, like of your body, um, is a lot less likely to to have diseases and you know toxins uh, live and survive. So pe- being being as alkaline as you can is very very healthy. Yeah, and and people eat this junk food and crap food that makes your body so acidic. Exactly, and our whole country revolves around people being sick and medicating them. So anything preventive like this is really hush hushed and yeah. lawsuits slapped on you. And we got to be really careful about you know saying. You know, studies have shown that patients with insulin resistance have improved, you know, rather than this product helps with, you know, lawsuits start coming. So are you going to send me some of that water to Thailand so I can test it out or what? Put it on my, uh, my wall back here? Yeah, I, gotta, I could do that. Yeah. I could do that. Send me 10 some. gallons right here. Two squirts per eight ounces. That makes 10 gallons? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. You pour it. I mean, it's not going to filter your water, but you just yeah, right. squirt it in uh, filtered water and it turns it... Uh, and ionizes it and makes it alkaline. So I can take a bottle like this, and I can just put a few drops in there, yes. and then boom, all of a sudden it's alkaline water. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can nice. even do it, you know, coffee's really acidic, you know? Yeah, coffee's it's, acidic. Nice. If you make it past the podcast, we know that that's okay. <laughs> oh, dude, I drink so much of this. I have it right off the line, too. Usually if you have it right off the line, like the it's pH more is potent. 10, it's too strong. It can give you diarrhea, but my body's nothing. I, I'm, I just I drink the concentrate straight. And I never get sick. Yeah. And so, all right, so let's go. Let's get to Ultimate Fighter real fast. So we were on the Ultimate Fighter Season 1, greatest show ever in the history of MMA. We launched the sport in the UFC to super heights because of guys like me and you, I think. Maybe it was some other guys on the show too, but um, so what? I know you were doing like the you fought like uh, in the jungle fight stuff like that. But how did you find out about Ultimate? Like j- just briefly, real quick, how did you get to Ultimate Fighter? Like I I know how I got there, obviously, but like how, how did you get there? How did you find out, apply for the show, and then actually get on the show? Um, all right, here's the story. I uh, let me move this back a little bit. I had been boxing a lot. I had just won my second uh, Chicago Golden Gloves title and even went down to nationals and did pretty good. Not uh, a couple guys out. So and I heard about the contender and that Frank Stallone was going to be in town at the Windy City Boxing Gym having tryouts. So I went down there and they put me in the ring with some 
fucking roid monkey and <laughs> didn't even know how to fight and I beat his ass. So like, yeah, right, it'd be great. And then uh, I find, you know, then I go back and um, it's, yeah, I don't even think I heard anything. Um, you know, I find out later through the great bovine that they're doing like, you know, different weight classes and professionals and all that. So I didn't even qualify. So I'm at jujitsu. Um, I didn't find this out until later, but I'm at jujitsu and the guys are talking about this reality show where you fight on it, fight reality show. And, um, you know, I say, oh, yeah, you hear it? It's going to be a, a UFC reality show. And I'm like, no, guys, it's, it's a boxing. Yeah, it's called The Contender. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tried out for that. I met Frank Stallone and everything. No, no, the UFC. What? And then uh, I remember I went home. I went to UFC.TV online because they didn't even have UFC.com then. And sure enough, we're having a reality show. And, like, please, like, send your tape in or whatever by Friday or, your, you know, and said put your self on camera just like this. Oh, I'm yeah, still yeah. modern and I'm a fighter. And then your fights. So that's exactly what I did. Just a cheesy, like, intro with me, bio. This is who I am. And then my fights on there and uh yeah my only loss at the time would have been the, the cut to machida so uh you know it was a big fight that, though uh, got me the call that got me the call and uh you know casting sweet at the time i was supposed to fight bobby southworth in the Ironheart crown and we had the posters made and everything and then uh there we are out at castings week and then this big dude gets in the car with you and then we're talking for a while, and lo and behold, there's Bobby. And I was just, I remember thinking, that is like, holy shit, dude. Uh, you're Bobby Southworth? Like, I didn't even recognize him because I'd seen him fought, fight in Pride. You know, he was way skinnier. He looks, yeah, he cuts so much weight. He looks like a different person when he fights. You can't look at his fights and then look at him in person and recognize the same guy. Yeah, especially that fight with Southworth or with uh, Vitor in Pride, yeah. early Pride, you know, he's young. It's crazy, man. Yeah, and there that we was were. it. That's why on the show, when it was time to fight him, I was like, well, I'm supposed to fight the dude anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, yeah. just, just extended and for, on a much bigger, larger scale. Um, so then you got on the Ultimate Fighter, and we were on the same team. We were never supposed to fight each other. Um, the show was interesting. What, what was – I mean, obviously, we saw everyone saw the show and all the stuff like that. What, what was your most memorable experience, do you think, on the show uh, you know, just in general, during the taping of the show, whether it was shown or not, what was the most memorable thing for you, good or bad, that you that stuck in your head and that that you think about the most of the that eight week time period? Oh man, there's so many good memories. We but did. one that a pleasant memory is when the the house we couldn't go back to the house because you know the shit had overflowed everywhere and they were clean taking all that up so we went out to eat and uh we had a little dinner at a restaurant the one right down the street from uh, where we lived and uh it was just a nice dinner and like you know like the cameras weren't ready and all that with only cameras around and we just like shot the shit and uh everyone was pretty human and uh, just kind of put their guards down then because yeah. i think it was it was something where like you know, we're supposed to go back to the house. They weren't ready. We're still cleaning, so let's just go eat something here. And the cameras weren't around. It was nice. It was just a little break. We got to kind of uh, everyone like stopped acting a little bit for the moment. And yeah, just was themselves. A much more ca calm night than the uh, the Hard Rock Cafe night. That night was a bit bit more crazy. Obviously, when they're like, "Hey guys, let's take you to Kid Rock concert," <laughs> and y'all can do whatever the hell you seat. want. I was in quarantine, remember? Huh? Oh, you didn't go. Remember, I, I was in quarantine. That's with right. The staph infection. That's right. You were. 
You missed that whole night. Yeah. Forgot about that. Well, it was yes, interesting. Yes, all the madness. So yeah. that was another really memorable thing. When I was, like, we were really overtrained. I was hurt. My body, like, it needed some rest. And I yeah. had that staph infection, so I was quarantined. So I couldn't train for, like, a couple of days. And then I came back to the gym. And I remember that. And I went under the bench, and I just felt great. Started go, no, no, like, wow, I felt recovered. And thank God, because I would have never beaten Bobby if I were that yeah. grossly overtrained and weak. So thank God I got that staph infection. But that's another thing I remember really clearly is when I got back after the staph infection, and you like you were like, Bonner, you won't believe what happened. Oh, my God. And like <laughs> I'm hearing the stories out of your mouth of the craziness. And – um yeah, I just uh, everyone and then, yeah, Nate's coming up like you got to fight Bob, you got to get him out of the house, and like I'm like, what the hell's going on? And uh, all I could do is kind of piece together everyone's story, and then wait. That was like the longest six months of my life to wait for that episode to air to see kind of how it went down. Yeah, it you was know, crazy. That was like you know we were just locked in the house, locked in the house, locked in the house, locked in the house, and then I'm quarantined. I come back, and it was like, oh my god, we went out. And it was the craziest time ever. Lieben was banging a girl in the stall in the bathroom and fucking someone <laughs> tried to walk in and they got into it. And Bobby and Koscheck and Lieben. Like, yeah, a lot of that part didn't get shown. <laughs> got into a fight and he smashed the house up and they hosed them down and it was just complete madness. It was like, because you went to a hotel, yes. right? They, they quarantined you in some hotel offsite. The Hacienda, way up by the Hoover Dam. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, they put you as far as they could away. Pretty cool because uh, the guy who's supposed to watch me was like, "Yeah, you can come out." Like he gave me a few bucks to gamble with, and like I fucking had like some beginners luck. And next thing you know, I have like five, six hundred bucks on me, and uh, he takes. So he's like, "Fuck it." So we went out and hit um, every strip club in Vegas that night. <laughs> I remember That's that. That's another memory, Robert. He was watching me. Lever to Beaver's son. He's a production assistant on yeah. this show. He was the one watching me. He takes me out. We had every strip club in town, blow all the money that I had made. Because I can't take it back anyway, except the eight bucks for when I snuck out. And then, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my final memory, the sun's actually coming up. It's like 6, 7 in the morning. And I'm driving his car back to the hotel because he's too wasted. We had just rummaged through the albertson's garbages so he could find receipts to turn in to say he bought shit for me because he blew so much money at the strip club i'd make some of that back and um he's hanging out the passenger window growing up and i'm um, cruising back to the hotel what a night that's crazy man and by and i want to say uh, specify by staff infection you mean like a hole in your chest like you <laughs> You had a serious staph infection, bro. Number one. So that's that's number one. Do I have an old picture of it? Because I'm the old. I don't want to see it. Yet. Picture like you could <laughs> I see saw it. it enough. The black rash. So there was that. Yeah. So that's one part. And then part number two, like powder over it too. Part number two is you left for a couple of days and then that shit went down. So like I remember, dude, because me and you were close in the house, dude. We were like buddies and like always talking, hanging out, which is weird that we ended up fighting because we had no earthly idea we would ever yep. fight, and. uh and so you were like my dude and you and Nate and stuff. And so when you came back to the house, cause you were gone for a couple of days, I was like, bro, you are not going to fucking believe what the fuck happened. Cause when you left, we were just training all the time. As you said, we were so exhausted from training two times a day, 
proving ourselves in front of the cameras and, 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 you know, Couture pushing us and like, just, I mean, it was like a grind. You have what it takes, you know, don't quit, like train harder. And like, it's, it's unrealistic to real training because it was for TV and like, you know, it was a test and it was all these things together. So we went from like training crazy hard, uh, a couple interesting moments at the house, you know, having some fun here and there to like you leaving for a couple of days and then just the craziest shit ever happening, going to that concert and then coming back, everybody's drunk and Diego's like chasing uh, aliens and it was fucking, I was like, bro, you're not going to believe. I remember, I remember thinking that when you got back, I was like, bro, you're not going to even believe what you missed. <laughs> And then you're like, bro, I had some fun too. Yeah, that really divided the house. Before that, yeah. it was kind of like, you know, we weren't so divided, you know. Yeah. After that, there was the clicks had formed the team. Dude, I was defending you know, Lieben. I, I was blood. defending I was defending the only guy that ever beat me in a fight. I fought Lieben for the championship at WC. He took my yes. championship, my, my one shot at a title at the WC, and he beat me. And like you know, me and Levin hated each other at that time, and it was so bad what happened. Yeah. I was going, I was going against my own teammates and helping just defending Levin. Yes, that is so. Crazy. That's how crazy this shit was. Yes, bro. you and Bobby are AKA together, and Levin, the guy you hate, hated more than anything. But you know, I'm mean, just rivalry. Um, and you know, he's a loudmouth jerk anyway. I mean, he's really brash. You know, yeah, I love Lieben, but he, you know, he is. So there was that rivalry, and there you are. Like, who would have thought in a million years sitting there, you know, I just behind Lieben's back telling Bobby what's up? It's just like, guy to draw the line at some but, point. Uh, like, you know, of course, Lieben has his asshole moments, and he, and he was rubbing it in my face about the fight. And of course, I wanted to get the fight and tried to get it multiple times after, but. It's like at some point, dude, there's these lines being crossed. And that that night, man, the shit that happened that they shown and the shit that didn't get shown, it was just a lot of shit, bro. And I had to take a side, man. And I, it was just I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't justify what, what was going on with Lieben and shit. And, like, I was like, that's just, just too wrong, man. Um, but it was like you said, it was a big division in the house. Um, what, what was your thoughts on, like, I hated the fucking challenges, man. I hated that shit. Like, I, I liked it better when we got to fight and – and and fight on the show and, and get to kind of to the end did you enjoy the challenges or because i almost got off the show because i had an accident we were carrying uh randy couture on a fucking sofa across lake mead for for yeah. what i have no idea they, they cleaned the rocks off the shore because they didn't want us tripping on no, so we, we had to run we had to run down yeah, the beach just... we had to run down the beach then go in the water and run back across the water and then back down the beach but so what they did was they took all the rocks on the beach to, so we didn't trip on them and they just threw him in the damn water. So we we had a clear path on the beach, and then we're carrying Randy Couture on our fucking head. Then we get into the water and start coming back, and we're tripping on all over the rocks that they they had on the beach that they were throwing into the water. So dude, I had my I had cuts all over my knees. I fell down at one point on my knees as I'm holding Randy. Like my knee was cut open, my shin was cut open, my pants were cut open. The ambulance was there, like treating oh, me. Like yeah. didn't show all this, I but knew I was we like, we were in trouble. I look over and see little Thacker there. Yeah, you know you. <laughs> Uh, and Loden is not big. And then I look over and see those mules, Hoger and Bobby, who are yeah. like 35 pounds over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big old boy. Yeah. I think we were in trouble there. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, I remember that point. And then, uh, we started fighting each other and, uh, the fights happened, obviously all that stuff. So then what was your thoughts on when, when they th- did the surprise announcement at the end and then the final, technically it was the final fight of the show. Um, even though they didn't put it in that order on the ultimate fire, they put, they put, uh, I think forces fight last, but, uh, our fight was the last fight. And then what was your thoughts? The second they, they told, cause we and you were getting along, you know, we're 
hanging out all the time. We slept next to each other. We were like cooking and shit for each other. What were your thoughts when they said, guess what, guys? You two are going to fight Wans tomorrow or whatever. Fight the next day. Because that threw me for a loop. Yeah, just complete psychological um, screwing with you right there. That's like, I knew going in, like that's the whole point of reality shows. They fuck with you psychologically and they lie to you and deceive you and all that. So I wasn't thinking we were going to fight because we were planning, strategizing together. But right yeah. when they said it, I was like, fucking, I should have known. I should have fucking, yeah. Like, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised they did that. It just psychologically was was a challenge, you know? It was, it was a challenge. What bothered me the most about that was um, you and, as we saw in the final fight, which was so crazy, one of the best fights, obviously, uh, you and Forrest were very similar in style and, and the way you fought. And... So leading up until the time that we found out we were fighting each other, if you remember, we were working together to fight Force and Steph. I mean, Force and Alex. And so I was training with you to fight Forrest. So like I was like, you were my Forrest. And so I was like giving you all my, you know, you were seeing all my weaknesses and all my strengths and my strategy to fight Forrest, which ultimately didn't change when I had to fight you because you were basically like Forrest. So like. You kind of like that's what bothered me the most is like fuck I've yeah, been like I giving him my force. secrets yeah. for the whole fucking time. Yeah, I, I was, you know, yeah, I was. <laughs> you just taking notes. It was a good force. Yeah, I was thinking Sam too. That's another thing, Sam. When we went on that run up at Turtle Peak, and me and him got lost on the way back. No cameras were on us. He was telling me he's sick of being here. Just pick me to fight, and I'll fall into a guillotine. And, you know, I'll lay down for you. I knew, like, he couldn't be trusted, though. I knew yeah. there's n no way in a million years he'd ever do that. And, you know, he'd fight me. So I'm like, fuck, now, like, psychologically, I'm dealing with this, too, you know? Like, so no matter what this motherfucker says to you, if you fight, like, 100%, like, you beat his fucking ass. Like, he is not going to lay down. He's fucking a liar. You know, because... Uh, I mean, Sam, at that point, the cat was out of the bag about him. But I had a, you know, that was that was <laughs> a little psychological warfare, too. Well, okay, Sam, we all have phone to get you team. Yep, yep. Yeah. Kind of playing along with it back in my head, knowing that he was bullshit. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, thinking, yeah, looking back on it, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, trying on you mentally more than anything. Yeah. Well, physically, yeah, with the couple of weeks training with Randy and all the, the being overtrained, yeah, mentally too. But uh, right doesn't kill you. And speaking on the, on the guillotine and stuff, so then uh, then we fought. Um, your big ass, I had to fight you. And uh, why didn't you just tap? Like I had you in the the deepest guillotine choke in the history of guillotine chokes. You were like purple and you were like gurgling. And like, why didn't you just fucking tap, bro? <laughs> like just tap like everybody else, uh -huh. and then I could have fought Force in the final. And then, then it wouldn't have been you oh, and Forrest being that. in the Hall of Fame. It'd be me. <laughs> I just remember thinking, too, the, the whole time we had trained together, fucking, like, we had wrestled and trained, done everything, and, like, I fucking never got guillotined by you, and here I am the one time it matters. Yeah. Choke. Dude, I was and trying stuff. so hard. Oh, God. Yeah, I was just, like, screw it, just go out, you know? Yeah, obviously, uh, you weren't going to tap. Yeah, that. You had that Adam's apple. It was my wrist. Too. My wow. wrist was in your throat trying to crack your fucking trachea, dude. I was yes. doing everything I could. to. Try. 
You were gurgling, bro. You did everything but tap, dude. That's it. You just wouldn't stop. Gurgles. And the iron, too, is I had never caught you in a triangle the whole time training either. Yeah. So like, we'll get to that. I'm two months training. I'm never caught in a guillotine. Here I am in a guillotine. And then a minute later, okay, I've got you in a triangle for the first time. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get into that, too. Really weird. But the thing is with the guillotine, like, I, it sucked for me because, like, I had you so tight. And you were gurgling that, like, I knew you weren't going to tap. Like, I've never been in a position where I knew someone wasn't going to tap. Like, when I got rigs and other people like that, like, it, I knew they were going to tap. So I knew you weren't going to tap. And then that question in my mind was like, shit, man, how long do I have to hold this more? And what do I got to do to make them pass out? Because, like, I know I'm going to have to make you pass out at this stage. And that's when, like, I was trying more. Oh, hey, what's up? What's up, buddy? <laughs> Say hi. You're on, you're on TV. No, hide up swick. Hi. There you go. And then, uh, and then, like, yeah. yeah, as you said, and then so then, then we went on after that. I thought it, things were going good, and then uh, I wanted to finish the round super strong. Had you kind of on the cage, and then I dropped a couple bombs, and boom, you had me in a. I mean, honestly, it was a triangle, but you. The reason I tapped was because you put me in a an arm lock, and you popped my arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I knew we like, had another like fight I coming had up. Had you in that position? The whole relax. The whole time on the show. And, yeah, we went for the guillotine. Then when he pulled, it was uh, remind me of Mark Coleman, Minotauro, you, you know, pulling up on the the triangle. And I you got it, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, never that whole time, you know, you, you never, I never even fucking got you in the triangle yeah, position like that. So, weird. The crazy thing was I tapped, obviously, because you popped my arm. Like, and you don't want a broke arm anyway. And, and so that was obviously number one. Number two, we knew we had one more fight. So we knew we were going to fight in two months or something like that. And all of us were going to get another chance to be in the UFC. So if I broke my arm and didn't fight, then that might be my last opportunity. I would never fight in the UFC. Um, so it wasn't the choke. It was the, the arm pop that I was worried about, which I, I thought it was already too late at that point. Because you did, you did pop it. And then, and then, like, the crazy thing was, because we were such good friends, once you pop my arm, you just kept going harder. <laughs> it was like breaking my heart. I was like, dude, like we're friends, bro. Like you popped my arm as like, like I thought you were just gonna let it go, but I, you made me tap. You know, like I had a tap, and then like, uh, and then they stopped. I think it was John McCarthy stopped it. Well, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> but we were friends, so like it was kind of heartbreaking too. And then, uh, and and dude, to this day, like forty something fights for me. Like I've had twenty something amateur fights and twenty something pro fights. That is the only, and it was an exhibition fight. Thank God it wasn't a pro fight. But that is the only fight I've ever tapped in my life ever. Ever. That's the only time. So I, I'll never tap from a choke, obviously. I'll go out, like you obviously will. But, uh, like, you, you'll go out on a choke, obviously, because you didn't tap on mine. But uh, because the arm lock and because of the fight coming up, you, 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 you're the only person. No, 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 no. That was a guillotine. Buddy, because you survived, I had to switch and learn the swickatine, and that's what was smashing oh, people okay. in the UFC. So you taught me that the regular guillotine is not good. I need right. to add some new, like, flavor to it. And then I, I started taking people out. Motivation for the swickatine. It was. A, it wasn't a loss. It was a learning yeah, lesson, dude. You had a bunch of those. What do you have? Like four guillotine. I had two back to back. Vigno and uh, Joe Riggs back, yeah. back to back. But uh, yeah, so man, know, you you got me in that, and then you went on to fight Force, which is. But here's the thing. So okay, so first of all, I almost got you in the guillotine, which okay, so I lost my opportunity to fight Force. 
Uh, you won the fight fair and square, beat me, got me and tapped me, everything. It was good. You you went on. So now you're fighting Force in the final. You're you're in the best position possible, the final fight against Force Griffin. So we go home and we go back to the house and you should just go to bed and be like, I'm the man. I'm fighting Forrest Griffin in the final. This shit is awesome. I'm going to be the ultimate fighter. But you didn't do that. You, <laughs> you went and took a shower that seemed to have lasted three hours <laughs> and you came back. You came back drunk and dirty from the shower room. Explain that. I've tried to tell the story, but I've never asked you. What happened when you went and took the shower? And for people who don't know, you almost got kicked off the show then. So I almost had another chance to fight for us. And then somehow you squeezed your way back in and didn't get kicked off the show for doing that. And then there I was again, not fighting in the final. So what happened? You went to take a shower. Was this your plan the whole time to go in there, pretend like you're taking a shower, and then escape to the smallest window in the history of windows? Yeah, it's just uh, impulsive drunk. After the fight, after the fight, remember Nate had a bottle of Jack, and you know we started getting buzzed up, and then we go back to the house, and uh, all the alcohol has been removed. Like, yeah, there's uh, no alcohol policy <laughs> now. I was like, ain't that some bullshit? Well, from my quarantine, I still had eight bucks from the strip clubs left over in my pocket. You saved money. um, I thought we were a little closer to a gas station. So I was like, um, you know, I I just, uh, I don't know. I was so good the whole show. You know, I was so good. You were. uh, I just wanted to do something bad. And and, uh, I got that deviant drunk. Um, on the shoulder saying, we'll get some booze. And uh, so, yeah, I went in the shower. It was a tiny window, too. It was I a do the smallest too. window ever. How did you get out like, of that, bro? Yeah, I always like wanted to be a ninja and I've always climbed <laughs> all sorts of buildings and I've had grappling hooks and you know, I'm pretty good ninja skills. And I actually hurt myself, um, part trying to parkour. Uh, yeah, I'm all right, but long story, let's save that for another time. So I saw this, you know, buzzed up too, like, James Bond, this is a mission, you know? So let me go sneak out and get some more booze and, you know, no one will know, you know? And that little window in the downstairs bathroom, I'm like, hey, shimmy out that. No one will see me go out. And I did. It was really hard. I swear. It was like, I was like, it reminded me of Jim Carrey from that Ace Ventura where he's coming out the the hippo. You know, that was me coming out you the window, it, <laughs> you know, plopping in the ground. And then I took off and, you know, thought, okay, you know, I'm fucking just jog there. And it was seriously like three, four miles. And then <laughs> I finally get there and go in some beer, fucking co- a couple of bottles of Mad Dog. And now I'm on the truck back. And, you know, like, I'm like, I thought I could do this in like, you know, 45 minutes. And yeah. Three hours later, I'm back and I see the vans with the spotlights on, and I'm like, I'm screwed. You know, they know it. They know it. Well, I just best thing I can do now is finish the mission. So, went back in there. I hid the beer in the yard. And I took the mad bag back in, mad dog back in, because I knew I had to work over something. And I uh, shimmied back in the window, which is even harder than getting out. And then got myself nice and wet. And put a towel around, hid the mad dog underneath the top of the toilet uh, cover, and, and walked out. Everyone was there, you know, yeah, the producers. It was three hours, bro. <laughs> which is, and everyone with their mouth open, too. And I go, boy, you're right, Diego. Water pressure is a lot better down here. 
And they turned around and started walking off. And I just remember Andrea, stuff and get over here. And then she chewed me out and made me give back the mad dog. And I apologized. And really, it's like uh, a little slap on the wrist, you know. They threatened to kick me off and all that. And I'm like, hey, no harm, no I'm back here, you know. Here it is. Whatever. And uh, by the grace of God. I mean, it worked out for the best, dude. As much as I wanted to fight in the final and, and be in the final against Forrest, I mean, dude, what happened with you and Forrest changed the sport, man. And and that wouldn't have been the same fight with me and Forrest for sure. I, we, I think we all know that. Something would have happened early or it would have just been a normal fight. You and Forrest just made an absolute amazing match. And that was what built the sport. So for the greater good, I bowed down to take my loss. And, and, and I still went in the UFC and, and won my fights and, and did okay, you know, the, at least the first five. Um, but, uh, yeah, that fight was amazing. And speaking of that fight, man, it was a close, close fight. And what is your thoughts on that? Like, I can't remember asking you afterwards, but did you feel like you won that fight? Like, and do you still feel like you won that fight? I have the exact same attitude you have about me going on to have that fight that, uh, was good for the sport as a whole. Um, I feel the same, exact same way about losing to Forrest is I know the way I lost you know, graciously, and really, I didn't care. You know, I did my best. Uh, I helped have that feel-good moment that put the sport over, you know. Yeah. Had it been another way around, Forrest might not have been so gracious, and it, it might not have had such a feel-good ending like that. But do you and feel you won I the am fight, though? grateful that I lost for the sake of the sport, and what it did yeah honestly i i get I, it but i mean honestly, do you feel you won feel the like fight when when you just go toe to toe with someone give it everything you want you're both dead dog exhausted i felt the same way after the cheeto fight give it everything i had just tired yeah and i know right. it's just always it, you know I, I i feel like it's uh you know if, if i could if the, and put it this way there's that picture let's see uh, you know of me and forrest after the fight me like this smiling forrest Behind me, coming to congratulate me, I had you know do the autograph. We thought you won, bro. I'll be honest. If, if my loss looks like that, I don't feel so bad about it. You know, I'll take it. But that 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 for the greater good of the sport, um, yeah, like I had to lose that night to to make the magic happen. That happened to make the sport uh, go over the way it did, and to, to perfect make the perfect feel good ending to a great fight. And um, I think what that, that fight did was made all you guys say, fuck those guys, I could do that. And fights as a whole started getting crazier because everyone said, fuck, I could fucking have one of those fights and I, I want that kind of attention. I, you know, I train just as hard and um, yeah, just uh, kind of help raise the bar, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. You're right, man. And, uh, yeah, I just wanted to always ask you because it was such a close fight. That was unanimous, though. Was it unanimous or split? It was. Yeah, it's 29-28. So, I obviously had the second round big. I almost, that's the thing, yeah, I had, I had the second round really big and the first and third round were close. You mentioned the fight with Tito a while ago. That was a split decision. So, that was a lot closer as far yeah, as the judges go. split decision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, that was a split decision, and you know, the fourth fight, the fourth fight, I think it was close. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, although, yeah, it's, you know, he he won on points. He got those key takedowns at the end of the first and second. You yeah. know, 
So I even got up off of the first, yeah, and the first round I got back up. I think it was end of the second round I finished on bottom one or something like that. But, uh, you know, close fight. Those key takedowns will do it. So that's off Tito. Like, he, he went in there and tried to beat my ass. Um, I thought he was going to try to hold me down for dear life. He probably would have if I wouldn't have gotten up. But he was really trying to beat my ass, and, like, that's what I wanted out of Hey, what's up, everybody? I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, AK Thailand, the premier luxury training resort here in Phuket. Um, we are currently still offering a 30% off pre-booking special for all group training that's going on right now at the time of this podcast. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to end. I think pretty much when they allow the airports to open and people to come back, we're going to chop it and in, in, in the cell. Um, so if you're watching in the future, sorry guys, you missed it. But if you're watching right now and it's current, if you go to akthailand.com, you can save 30% on all group training, the biggest sell we've ever had, the biggest sell we will probably ever have. Um, and that's, you can book a week, you can book a month, three months, six months, a year. And yes, we have many people that stay six months in a year. And if that's you, we can also get you a visa because we are an official school in Thailand. So we actually can register you and enroll you in our school, give you a visa. You don't have to worry about going in and out of the country or, or reporting to anything. We take care of everything for you. You're essentially a student at a school in Thailand, but it's our gym that you're a student of. And you can just train every day, enjoy yourself, not worrying about going in and out of the country for visa runs and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so uh, that's going on right now, aktime.com. All the prices are reflective of that. And there's no expiration date, by the way. So if you book now for a year or six months or three months or a month or two weeks or however long you're going to come for, and you can't come because of the quarantine for another two months, three months, four months, five months, whenever this thing ends, no problem. Once you pay and you book, we put you in the POS and there's no expiration date. So you can come in a year from now, you can come in two years from now, um, and you still get that great savings. So uh, depending on how long you book for, that can save you a lot of money on your flight and your, your other expenses that you have when you come to Thailand. So I would definitely take advantage of it, especially with no expiration date, you can't lose. Um, akthailand.com has all the prices already set. You just go on there and you book. If you have any questions, email info at akthailand.com and we'll get back to you ASAP and, and answer your questions and get you all set up, get you what information you need. Um, and if you're not familiar with the gym, here is a commercial by Mr. Dana White. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. Mike Swick, he's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. you guys I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool but you can't come to Thailand without coming to aka Thailand come on
Is there is there anything that would make you? I know I, I get you're 43 years old. I'm 41. I feel great. You know, for 41, I'm just obviously swamped with business and stuff like that. Running the gym. Is there anything that would make you fight again, like a UFC level fight, like an MMA fight, or are you pretty much 100 percent done no matter what? Oh God, no. No way, huh? Yeah. Hey. No way. It was really hard that last fight with Tito, even just getting cleared medically. Um, he had something show up on the MRI that wasn't there before that's associated linked with CTE. Yeah, that's called Calvin Stephanosudum. And that's uh, um, since it it is like naturally occurring in something, something like a really small percent, less than 1% of the population, a high percentage of kids with Down syndrome, it's considered normal. Although it wasn't on the previous MRI in 04, it's good, still yeah. like something they'll still let you fight with. Um, so I thought that was like, oh, let me look into that. They didn't even say anything. They just let me fight. I'm like, oh, let me look into that. <laughs> okay, Damn. let's see. The same thing. You look up Rocky Four. He had to retire because the same thing yeah. showed up on his MRI. I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then you look at like the studies done on it. Like 94% of football players studied with CTE had it. Something like eighty-six percent of boxers, and kind of like eh, maybe it's not worth it. But um, that that was tough. It was retiring twenty fifteen um, was really tough. But my body wasn't holding up. I felt like man, I was in so much pain every morning. Like I've had ten surgeries. I've broken so many bones too. Um, uh, it's it's I just couldn't handle the training, man. Like my body, like it take yeah. me like. You know, a couple of minutes just to stand up straight out of bed in the morning. And all I could think of is, like, how am I going to make it through today? Like, there's no yeah. way. Um, so I, I was sitting there in 2015, like, fucking uh, rock bottom. Well, I really had a downward spiral, as you know, the guy that made TMZ and all that. Um, but more than anything, a purpose, you know. That's why the wrestling helped. It helped having a hobby. You get a little adrenaline high. Yeah. But, um I have a new purpose. Hi, Tiva, baby. Cannabis on demand. I'm on a mission. Um, it's something, uh, it's uh, like like a weed maps or a leaf fly. Um, so we're doing a lot of content for this. Yeah, right. Everyone smokes weed. Get your weed through Hi, Tiva. You know, worldwide cannabis on demand for pickup or delivery. Search, learn, and source cannabis. But yeah, a friend of mine came to me with this idea in its infancy a few years back. Uh, we, we started in 2016, so uh, I've been on for the last two years, and um, it gave me a purpose. He said, Stefan, you know what you helped do with the UFC? How you helped uh, take something that they um, was worth a couple million dollars and, and, and add value to it, so it sold for what it did? And he's like, I want to do that with ITV. I want you to help me make this value a billion dollars. And that's the goal. Yeah. So it's whatever you could, if we fail and, um, and sells for half that, I'll be yeah. happy. But, um, you got to try. I have 1%, one fucking percent and a chance and a shot. And this is what I love. The opportunity. Yeah. And I, you know, um, I'm gonna pour my heart and soul into it. Yeah, and and uh, it's it helps just like the real water helps you not get sick. And the ionized water, CBD 
And THC actually help your brain. It's one of the few things that do. It's really crazy. You know, there are ton of anti, not only with your brain, but anti-cancer benefits. You know, the Nixon administration uh, hired labs to do studies on marijuana to prove it caused cancer, right? Yeah. And Nixon goes, back, so how's those studies going? Do we have the proof yet that it causes cancer? No, sir. Actually, we found out the opposite. It's actually protective against cancer. Yeah. Um, what do you want to do about these results? Burn them, goddammit. We don't need that kitten out. And they squashed it. Like, yeah. yes, this is our government. So it, it's true. We have like scientific ton of research going in now um, about the cannabinoids and how they help neurologically. And, you know, you've been hitting the head on a regular basis for 14 years. You need all the help you could get. And I thought up until now it was helpless. Nothing, every other cell in your human body is capable of regenerating except the brain cells. And nothing could help it. But this is one of the few things that can. So if you like the way I fight all those years, I entertained you. I didn't get anything from the UFC. I had no health insurance. So I had to get paid for the five grand for the fight that saved this book. Order some weed from Hytiva, right? And uh, we did a hell of a job. We have a hell of an infrastructure. The guys who built uh, the Hytiva website are the same guys that built UFC.com. So um, they felt the same way. They poured their heart and soul into building UFC.com, making it so great they did. And then, you know, after they sold for billions, they were left with nothing. So they're kind of in a similar boat as, as us. Um, so... We're on a mission, and uh, it's got a great infrastructure. When this uh, coronavirus shit hit, everyone had to go online because online and delivery because uh, all the weed shops were shut down. And um, our infrastructure was able to handle the volume, whereas most of the websites um, that the uh, dispensaries would use would crash in that. We could actually link up and help their infrastructure and help their PAS systems so they don't have to enter shit so many times and make their life a lot easier. We feature the cultivators too. And then of course we do the service for the consumer. So it's good. We, you, you know, from the cultivators uh, to the uh, dispensaries, to the consumers, um, you know, IT, but we deal with everyone. We provide a great service and um, yeah. So order your weed, IT.com. Send me, uh, send me your information on that once we get done here, and I'll, I'll pop it up on the bottom of the description of the video so we can have the link and everything. Yeah. And uh, I want to go back real fast because you just mentioned about the CTE and the, the stuff on your brain scan. Um, a lot of fighters and a lot of people in general don't understand. Like It was a smart decision what you made. Um, you got guys like Donald Cerrone, who I love watching fight, and I love their style and just who they are. But there's fighters like him out there that are going to fight until the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? Like, And they don't understand – that it's not necessarily how you feel now, especially when it comes to your brain. Even me, you know, like I didn't take substantial diff, uh, damage to my brain uh, that I know of. Uh, and, you know, I've had MRIs and brain scans that were okay. But I do notice things. I do notice things uh, sometimes when I speak or when I think that are different than before. And like a lot, yep. of, the, a lot of the damage that we're taking as fighters is going to show up 5, 10, 15 years down the road. And I think like you know, once you have your, your prime and you get through the best you can, it's time to move on and don't continue. Like, I, I still train, but I don't spar. You know, I don't take hits to the head. Like, it's not worth it for me. I've taken too many, in, in sparring mostly in training, but in fights as well. And it's like people don't realize that. And they, I see these guys fighting 30, 40, 50 fights, and it's like, man, they're going to 
they're going to be brain dead, you know, in 10 years from now when that stuff catches up. And it's like people, they have to realize that like the damage that you take isn't how you feel after the fight. And you look at yourself and you're like, okay, I feel okay. I think I can fight again. It's like, it's long-term. And, and I think, uh, I think that's a good point you made. And I think a lot of fighters need to think about that because it's uh, a very serious situation for sure. Yeah. You made a really good point and I was going to comment on it and I forgot what I was going to say, but since I've been taking my CBD, I remembered, and it's the football players. They set a good precedent about what you could expect. And when I started noticing things, I started looking into more and more football players, you know, like a junior stay out, you know, in the chest so they could study his yeah. brain and all these guys. And, um, like, the, from the timeline I gather and the research I did, it seems like the, um, the symptoms and the damage peaks about, you know, 10 years after they retire. Yeah. So um, that really made me Scary. think too. Uh, and cause I already noticed some declines and the thing on the MRI and I'm like, dude, you know, mm. <laughs> yeah. you know, how is it going to be in seven, eight more years? You know? um, yeah. yeah it's scary. It's fucking crazy, man. What is, what is one of your most, like you obviously was in the final fight, the ultimate fighter, the show blew up. You and Forrest got the most attention um, and became the most famous after the show, get going in the UFC and stuff. What was, um, what was like the, the biggest moment that you remember or remember of your like fame uh, memories? Like when, like, like what was one point where you were just like, holy shit, this is my life now. You know what I mean? Like something that would have never happened if you weren't like a star on ultimate fighter and fighting for us. And like, what, what was one cool thing you did? I talked, I talked to Anthony Pettis and it was like smoking weed with Mike Tyson on the, the hot box. And, and Tyron Woodley said the same thing about meeting Mike Tyson. Funny. They both had Mike Tyson in their, their number one things. But what was your moment where you were just like, Holy shit, man, this is cool. Like, this is something I would never been able to do had it not been for what I, what I did in fighting. Oh, man, there are a couple of them. One of them was being in New York in Times Square for the first time. And up uh, in Times Square is that picture of me, like, uh, for the ultimate fighter, kicking Forrest in the head and him like this. Yeah. And that was the trip. And then also um, leaving EFC one time, I get a tap on the shoulder, and it's Keanu Reeves. Oh, shit. He goes, hey, you mind if my sister, he goes, hey, you mind if my sister gets a picture with you? She loves you. <laughs> holy like, shit that's awesome wow. that's pretty big man that's all i love keanu reeves man i would love to meet him yeah i met i met uh, leonardo dicaprio at the finale of ultimate fighter season two with rashad and uh brad imes yes. i got to sit at his table and talk up, to him yes. he was at the top yep and i didn't know he was up there i was just up there and and he was there and he sent one of his friends over and his friends came, went over to me and said hey you're mike swick from blah, blah blah and i'm like yeah yeah and he's like would you like to come meet leonardo dicaprio and and talk for a little bit and I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, you know, like th th he's a big star and shit. That was awesome, dude. Wow. And I found myself sitting there at Leonardo. I remember him being there and I remember like looking over and like, oh my God, you know. Yeah. And the crazy thing was like he was there and he's such a big fan of the UFC and, and, and Ultimate Fighter and stuff. I went to his table and, and the fights were going on downstairs. We were at the very top, uh, you know, the podium part. And I remember he was telling like his friend about who I was like, kind of like, yeah, man, he's, he's not knocking people out fast. And like, it, it was after my first fight after it was like, I think it was like, uh, it was after uh shown hour and maybe get in or before get in. I don't remember. And he was like telling the other, uh -huh. his friend about us on the show and who I was and what I did and all that. And I was just like, 
Fuck. I just remember thinking like Leonardo DiCaprio was telling somebody about what I did on TV. That's fucking crazy to me, man. That was like a big, huge, like first moment for me. Isn't that great? Like we got famous, but not too famous. When it really yeah. made it. Cause I'm sorry. Like, you know, super rich people are evil. <laughs> they are. Um, there's something about getting a lot of power and the greed that goes with getting a lot of money, power and greed are so powerful. It's just, here's my analogy. If you took someone who um, was just completely mild-mannered, not really smart or anything, and gave that person a bunch of heroin, and he did that heroin every day for a couple of months, like, he, he would get addicted to it. Yeah, of course. Power and greed work the same way. You know, like once you start getting them, they kind of overtake you. And uh, the, the kind of fame you see with some of these big A-list celebrities, and the money they get and all that, like, I'm glad. I'm glad we didn't get that thing. Yeah, some people, I mean, he's pretty down to earth. But I'll say as a fighter and probably a lot of entertainers, too, you get more famous than, I guess, rich is what you would consider like the 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 terminology oh, yes. of it because oh, yeah. i know I, I was sitting there at a table with leonardo dicaprio and leonardo dicaprio was telling his friends who i was but i guarantee you when we left that night and he went to his hotel room and i went to mine i think his hotel room was a lot better than mine and he had a lot more money in the bank than i did so like we we it was cool interacting with such cool people and stuff but it's like you know being a fighter is like a, a way to get somewhere but you you still got to put that work in afterwards and 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 if you if you want success and fame or success and money, um, you got to work for There's it. I mean, another good. We one. got too famous and not enough not uh, enough money. After, uh, I was hanging out in Vegas. It was after the fight with Forrest. Um, another UFC, probably like uh, six months down the line. And I was with a a group of guys who played Major League Baseball. I think they were on the Arizona uh, team, Diamondbacks, and. We uh we they were all like oh just everyone throwing five hundred bucks we'll get a bunch we'll get bottles and bottle service and all that and I remember going no they're like come on it's five just five hundred bucks it was like that fight you saw between me and Forrest I got five grand for that that was my last fight and then they were like oh never mind and they understood like that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, we were just starting out and things got better, but yeah, I mean, yeah, we had to earn our way up, man. And that was a huge fight for you, for sure. Um, what would you be doing if you never got into MMA? What would you be doing as a career? Like, what would, what would your career have been, you think? I was pretty happy. I was like a trainer in Chicago, which is a good place to do that. You know, teach a martial arts to downtown, to like uh, wealthy clients. And that was a good gig. Um, and I would hear in Vegas, I got a gym and I teach a little for a hobby, but it's really like so many fighters out there. You got people doing privates for like 20 bucks and that. It's, it's so it's not the kind of same industry out here. And I don't know. I just feel like your life uh, is like uh, you're just riding a surfboard and things just open up in front of you and you yeah. ride waves as best you can. And, you know, um, I never planned on fighting in the UFC. It was just something. I, I love martial arts. I just wanted to learn, know all the martial arts more than anything. And, uh, and I kind of like, cause I've always did a good job of staying in the present, you know, just following my heart and staying in the present moment. And that's all I did. I never had my heart, my eyes set on the, uh, it was always just like, 
I want to be awesome at jujitsu. I want to be awesome at boxing. You know, I want to be yeah. awesome in all these martial arts. And like, you know, and then I'll take this challenge. Sure, I'll take this fight. I'll see what I can do. And wow, Ultimate Fighter. Sure, I'll do my best. You know, I'll probably get my ass kicked, but I'll do my best. And um, that's kind of how my life has unraveled. And it was, uh, you know, I was a trainer before, and um, kind of going with that. I was in that school muscle activation therapy, MAT. It's like a really in-depth physical therapy. And that was kind of the career I was going to go. Like I wanted to be a therapist and, um, you know, then the, the UFC paid off. I was able to have a career out of that and then you know, retire and got to live a lot of my dreams, do a lot of the TV work, the color commentate. And I still do it. I got to show North Star Combat up in Minnesota. I'm the president of, um, so, uh, it's, it's you, know, you got to star in a movie, you got to do stunt work. Uh, I feel like all my bucket list shit, and I'm still doing it. I just golfed for the first time the other week with Boss Rutten. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah, I'm like, crossing shit off the old bucket list. Didn't you have like a degree in, in sports medicine or something? Sports medicine, yeah, from Purdue. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. Yeah, so that's why I graduated Purdue in 2000 and then moved to Chicago and was training people. And, uh, you know, and learning the martial arts and the jiu-jitsu. And, and, uh, and in 01, I decided, fuck it, I'll give this MMA thing a, a try. And, you know, I uh, had my first uh, two pro fights, a four-man tourney. What a way to enter the sport. Yeah. Those are brutal. It, baby. All my amateur so, fights were, were tournaments, dude. They sucked. That uh, was Terry Martins in the locker room. There's no athletic commission. I see him put two tape rolls of knuckles. just pure tape on each fist. Like, <laughs> you know. He called me out one time. He called me by my, my full name. When I was in the UFC, I just won a fight. I was backstage. He won a fight. And he called me out on the mic, and he called me. The only person to ever call me this was my mom, but he called me Michael Swick. He goes, Michael Swick, where are you at? I want to fight you. It's so funny. I'll never forget. <laughs> we never fought, but he was a crazy dude. We, yeah, he was a punk. We never liked each other. We fought. <laughs> I won. He was really sore about it. Yeah. I'm in a full-on triangle. The time ran out. Those are rough, dude. Ten-minute rounds. Yeah. Yeah. A Hammond Civic Center in front of a few hundred people. I yeah, had 150 bucks show money and 150 win bonus. I made 300 bucks that night. For the love of the game. The first pro fight I had was in 1998 at a rodeo arena, a dirt rodeo arena. And I made 200 bucks, and the promoter ran. And and Eve Edwards was on that card. Travis Luter was on that card. Shannon Rich was on that card. These are all like the early days, and we all got stiff, dude. The promoter Shannon, the, Shannon was on my card too, my first card. Shannon Rich, he was on every card, bro. He's yeah. got like 200 fights. <laughs> was, yeah, you had to beat Shannon Rich to be a fighter at one point, and, and we were coming up. Like if you didn't fight and beat Shannon Rich, like you, you had to like. He was like the the veteran dude. Um, but yeah, so it was 200 bucks, man. And that they, the dude ran off, which of course I wasn't fighting for the 200 bucks. I mean, that's not obviously going to pay my, my life bills or anything. I was fighting to just be a fighter. But yeah, two, I fought in a rodeo arena in, in uh, Humboldt, Texas in 1998. Victor Bell. I got him with a, a, a flying rear naked choke. 98 slick. What did you catch him with? Flying knee? No, a flying rear naked choke. I kicked him in the head and he, he like moved away like from the head kick. And when he moved away, he turned and gave his back. And for whatever fucking reason, I thought I was Superman. I jumped onto his back and then just grabbed his neck 
And then somehow before we got to the ground, I put my hooks in and choked him out. And, and the funny, funny uh, story about this is uh, Eve Edwards is one of the main fights, and he was fighting one of the promoters, like big guys. And Eve Edwards knocked the guy out in their fight. And, and he was celebrating, and they made the guy wake up and put him in his corner and continue. Like, they made the guy continue to fight Eves because they didn't want Eves to win. And Eves won the same damn way I did, dude. He, like, he, he, he did some kind of standing rear-naked choke thing that and it ended the same way. It was so fucking crazy. Yeah, this is the old days, bro, like old school, 1998 dirt rodeo arenas. It was like my mom, my grandpa, like two of my friends, <laughs> and then, like, a horse, maybe some chickens uh, and, like, some other people. Shannon Rich was still fighting in that arena not too long ago. I know the uh, the guy who lost to him twice in a row. He fought him, got uh, submitted by him, then had a rematch, then got knocked out by him in the first round. Wow, it's crazy, man! It's so crazy, dude. <laughs> what do you What do you think about What do you think about coming up with? Uh, speaking of other fights, um, was was uh, was Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. Were they impactful in your career? As far as were they inspirations to you? How much so? And what do you think about them fighting now in their fifties? Oh, that's the, you know, I'm for them getting a payday. They're gonna take it but did you see the videos brother. of them training? Like, they're fucking savages, bro. At 50-something, 50 51 and 52 or whatever it is. Dude, the power and the speed is there yeah. still. This is this is more interesting when you have, like, I, I didn't like when you were sending the old guys in to get killed. Like, what's the point of that? But having the old guys fight each other for a big payday, that's kind of interesting. Um, but honestly, I don't have any desire to you know i kind of have respect for what both those guys do if they really want to do it for the love of fighting then of course it's fine but um me personally i don't have a huge desire to see those guys uh to fight you're yeah. not gonna watch it yeah i probably will watch you it watch it's it. like entertainment value um, <laughs> of course you know, old guy, but it is it's old guys fighting it's, it ain't yeah. i think it's not gonna be the classic old guys fighting. Like, we've seen so many washed, like, I say washed up. I'm washed up, but. I don't think they're really going to fight each other. I kind of think they're just collecting a payday. No, and bro. They're just going to mess around. They call it an exhibition, but do you think Mike Tyson ever would fight an exhibition? Mike Tyson doesn't know how to spar or, or do an exhibition. When he gets hit, buddy, you know Mike Tyson, dude. It's going to be a fight. There ain't going to be no exhibition. It's not going to be no sparring session. It's not going to be pitter-pattering powder puffing whatever the fuck the boxes call it when you don't hit each other they were gonna fight like an dude. amazing fight out of them yeah but um i feel like uh these guys watched the last rocky the last rocky movie too many times yeah we'll see i think it's going to live up to a lot more than some of these other older fighters that came back and fought that were out of shape and and not should have fought each other. Um, I think they'll put on a better fight than those guys for sure i think it's going to be a good fight yeah i'll just never forget tyson and like Oh, one saying his heart wasn't in it anymore, and you know, like, oh no, twenty years, twenty years later, it is like. Uh, but I know, I know, I get it, I get it. Like, uh, you know, it's hard to get a big payday. Um, that's why it's so hard to walk away from the game. And, uh, how it's so seductive to, to just go about, just take that payday. Uh, so it's. Yeah, um, maybe I'll be that idiot someday soon. Well, so speaking of less we'll older, uh, less older guy, but doesn't seem to be having any age issues. What do you think about my boy 
uh, Daniel Cormier fighting Stipe number three. So he, he knocked out Stipe. Stipe got him. And so now there's like the third match. Any thoughts on that? What do you think is going to happen? You think because uh, Dana obviously went and said that the, the winner of this yeah, fight see, is, is going to be the, the best it, fighter of all time. I, I love guys like I love guys like Cormier. You know, if you saw him at the beach, you wouldn't even think he worked <laughs> out. But the guy's a bear. He's a like, beast. You see the way he manhandled Dan Henderson? You know how yeah. strong Dan Henderson yeah. is? I like, trained with him. He could be an Olympic level silver medalist wrestler. Um, yeah. It, he's just a bear. I never forget um, when I didn't, I wasn't too sure about this Cormier guy. Great wrestler. His first big challenge, Josh Barnett. Yep. And at one point, the final he, in the pipe with Barnett, he picked him up over his head and turned him upside down. And I said, holy shit. And then he went on and fought another 20 minutes and won a five-round, 25-minute decision. And that's when I was sold on Daniel Cormier. He won the whole tournament, yeah. So, I mean, he's yeah, he's a freak athlete, man. Uh, He's amazing. And he's looked good. You know, that last fight with Stipe, um, you know, was in the fourth round he got him. So it was a good fight. um, I believe uh, it was pretty close either that or he was winning. I don't remember exactly. I never fought twice. But, I, yeah, the competitive fights is one and one. So it's, uh, you need a rubber match for sure. For sure you need a rubber match. It's a good one to go out. Good way to go out. Last one I got asked about, too, is, is my other boy, Khabib, or Habib, however you want to call him, uh, fighting Gaethje. What, what is your thoughts on that fight? A lot of people are mixed on the opponent and you know i i've always said that's his most dangerous fight considering the way gaethje fights how do you see that fight going and and uh how, do, do you think khabib could possibly retire undefeated and be the, that one first guy that really could beat everybody and just never be, never be beat that's another guy who's part bear like yeah. both those guys are we just... was fighting him when he was like eight their strength is on a different level yes. than like their opponents it's just obvious I've never seen anyone be able to match Khabib or Cormier, for that matter, when it comes to strength uh, and grappling ability. Uh, really, they're similar, really similar. Khabib's got a good jab, though, um, and I think that's going to be his key to victory, uh, busting Gaethje up with the jab. Didn't they already fight? Nope. Who but- did Khabib fight? Oh, Ali Quinta. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so it's similar. I think the fight's going to be a similar fight to that. Khabib did a good job of using his jab, and he really busted Al up good with his jab. I think that was uh, that was key for him in that fight that set set everything up. So I think it's going to be a similar type fight. I think Gaethje's a better wrestler though than Iaquinta. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but not as good as Khabib. But I still like who's been able to stop Khabib from taking him down. Um, I think he may stay stuff some takedowns, yeah. but there's no way you can stuff Khabib for 25 minutes. Yeah. Cool, man. And uh, last, lastly, uh, when are you going to come out to AK Thailand and uh, check out the gym and, and get some training in? Dude, soon, man. Soon. Pretty soon. It's going to be mandatory like in vaccines to fly everywhere. And it's like, I don't know, man. Um, I ain't down with that shit. So I got to come out there soon, man. I got a good passport. AK Thailand. Is that an invite? Swickety? It's an invite. It's an invite. Absolutely. I'll be there. Yeah, as soon as this quarantine's over, man, you can come down and uh, I'll show you Phuket. We'll go to the islands. We'll uh, do some training. It's crazy, man. It's fun. It's a great place. It's a great island, man. I mean it. I mean it. I really, I'm taking you, you know, I don't bullshit. And, uh, this God is my witness. I'm going to make it to Thailand, a.k.a. AKA Thailand, baby, Phuket. I'm there. 
All right, brother. Thanks for taking time out for me and uh, catching up, man. It's been a long time since we talked, dude. We we used to we used to be roommates and and bros in the house, and then just gotten fight careers and shit going on. I moved to Thailand, and we haven't talked in such a long time. So it was good to catch up with you. Hell yeah, man! I need to get out of here. I love Thailand. I haven't been there in what since like oh seven oh eight. And you look good, man. You look uh, strong. You look about two hundred pounds. Yeah, I'm exactly. Pretty much exactly. You called it 200 pounds. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm still oh, yeah, less than when I fought, than, than your weight when I fought you. <laughs> you were so much bigger than me. Huge, <laughs> you, <laughs> you fucking guy, dude. You were shoving weights in my in my shorts on when I weighed in to try to make me weigh more. Yeah, and you were I feeding did, me, uh, and you kept feeding me the morning of the weigh-in so that I would eat and, and weigh more. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Well, you're you're bigger now, man, by a good five pounds at yeah. least. Yeah, I'm ready now. Well, cool, man. It was good talking to you, man. And you know what's funny is like, uh, not funny, but since you've been out of the sport since 2014, I mean, it's not like you've been active or anything. But when we, I've always wanted to get you on the podcast to talk about all the stuff that we talked about today. We've had, you know, a lot of the guests that I have, I have history with and I have conversations with. I don't want to just talk to somebody I know nothing about at this stage. You know, I want to have conversations that are going to be fun and interesting that I have some kind of connection with the person or whatever. So you've always been on my list. A lot of people have requested you to be on the podcast. So you've got a lot of people that want to see this. I think, uh, I think this is going to be a good one for people because I. You can, your name came up a lot when, when we would ask, like, who, who do you want on the podcast? Uh, who should we bring up next? And for you not fighting since 2014, I think that's pretty cool, man. Like, th- people want to know what's going on with you and, and want to see how you're doing and, uh, and, and hear from you. I almost forgot one thing, Swick. Oh, no. um, just about a month ago, I was in uh, New Mexico in Albuquerque, right? And guess who I went and saw? I don't know. Come on. Good Albu- old Diego. Oh, Diego in Albuquerque. Okay, okay. How'd that go? Yes, his coach, his coach Josh bought a bunch of land, like 5,000 acres up at the top of the mountain. On the other side is the city side. Oh, so dude, you did one of those ayahuasca things, didn't you? All crystal clear. It was great. And we got there. Um, yeah, I didn't even, I knew nothing. All he said is, here's some shovels, dig some holes. So we, uh, dug some holes and uh, they were gone for a while josh and uh, diego and they come back with all this tarp and pvc pipe and then we built a sauna up there and uh had a little uh psilocybin uh in san pedro ceremony up there wow. so far i saw out, the pictures man. far out dude but diego's a good dude man uh he uh, he's i love that guy man and i love what he's doing now he's kind of standing up to the bullies and and everyone's giving him shit about Josh, uh, his new coach. Yeah. Diego been fighting over 20 years, man. You know, he doesn't need anyone to hold his dick. He yeah. needs to stop going to war, stop going toe-to-toe to people if he needs to survive at this age. So yeah. I support him 100%. Um, and he's fighting in six weeks, so don't miss the nightmare, baby. Yeah, he's the last man standing from Ultimate Fighter, um, still fighting. And yeah. Then- and dude, I've been trying to get him on the podcast, man. He he keeps agreeing to come on the podcast, and we just haven't scheduled. So, I'm trying to get him on, man. I want to talk to him okay. as well. That'll be perfect. Well, how often do you do this? The podcast? I'm trying to do two to three episodes a week now. I'm I'm trying to kill it because I got the time. That often? Holy yeah, bro. Shit. I've done like thirty or forty yeah. episodes in three yeah, months. Yeah, he's fighting in six weeks. So so maybe a few weeks before his 
I had, I'll help get him on. Hit, hit him up for him. me because I, I hit him up a while back and, and he said, sure, no problem. But then we couldn't come up with a time or, or schedule for him. So just hit him up and just say, uh, come on the podcast. <laughs> I want to talk to yeah, him. Yeah, I did. I was just, We've always got a long great. I sent him with him yesterday and, and I said, yeah, I'm doing Sook's podcast, you know, and, and that's right. I, I wanted to tell the story. I almost forgot, you know, and um, just wanted to make sure it was cool with him, you know, because he's fighting and, you know, hallucinogenics and all that but, uh, he's like yeah bro don't forget to tell him everything uh, you went out there no change of clothes no questions <laughs> dug some holes for us <laughs> up in the mountains fucking uh, yeah just trust man but he, fuck yeah Diego love you brother love uh, you Swick it was right, great chatting with man. you buddy thanks for coming on the show bro I really appreciate it and I'll I'll, uh, I'll link up your stuff so just send me everything you want we'll put it on the description and uh, and we'll stay in touch man and get you back on sounds good Swicky alright take care brother alright sweaty cup alright there you have it Stefan Bonner the American psycho my roommate my ex-roommate Ultimate Fighter Season 1 alum part of uh such a huge thing for me in my career, you know, like the, the show, the ultimate fighter, the UFC, uh, I mean, has said many times has been the, the catapult for what boosted the UFC into superstardom and, and, and caused it to, to grow so big, uh, to become so mainstream and to, to be able to be worth what it is today. Um, so I'm still so honored and appreciative to be a part of it. And Stefan was a part of it and we were a part of it together and we fought each other and, uh, I mean, we experienced everything you could possibly experience between two bros that are roommates. I mean, we fought each other. We cooked for each other. We slept next to each other. Uh, we we did everything. It was cool. So uh, it was great having a conversation. I haven't talked to him in so long except just texting and stuff. So it was really good to catch up with him. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, as I said to him, it was he was one of our most requested guests. So a lot of you guys apparently wanted to know what was going on with Stefan and, and, and how he's doing. And, and hopefully we covered some things that – um, from the past that nobody knew, um, some, some behind the scenes secrets, I guess, of the show and, and stuff that we did. So anyway, I hope you got a lot from it. Hope you enjoyed it. Like all the podcasts, I do everything I can to make uh, interesting conversations with interesting people. I don't just randomly pick people. I, uh, I want to have good conversations with people that I have some kind of connection with and, and I want that to show through to you guys so you enjoy it and you get to know who I'm talking to and see their personality and, and, and see who they are and, uh, and then find out some stuff that you never found out before that, that these guys aren't going to talk about to reporters and, and journalists and, and all these other guys. So hopefully you took a lot from that. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe. Uh, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Was it good? Was it bad? Uh, was it what you wanted out of the Stefan uh, podcast? Who do you who do would you like to see next on the podcast? Um, and uh, if you're on the the audio platform, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, leave a review there as well. Let us know what you think. Uh, rate us, give us five stars. We appreciate that so much. And uh, yeah, follow along and uh, and uh, hope hope you're enjoying the show. Thanks for the support. We appreciate all the great comments, um, all the feedback. It means a lot to us here and. Uh, I enjoy doing them, so I'm not going anywhere. We're knocking out like three of these a week now, so I'm not going to stop or slow down. So hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Subscribe because there's going to be a lot of cool ones coming up. We got some really good ones booked this next week, so I think you're going to really enjoy it. And uh, thank you, and stay tuned. Real quick.